ladies and gentlemen, people of all gender identity, NFL beat writers across the country, welcome in to the Doer Dynasty podcast. We are back with you here, August 8th, oh, sorry, August 3rd. I get confused, cause, sorry, because the number is 8. <laughs> March 8th, <laughs> as they hard. would write in Canada. Um, we are back uh, a little bit longer away than we expected. We did record an episode in that time. Um, we recorded two-thirds of an episode in that two-thirds of people had functioning microphones. So, unfortunately, we weren't able to release that. Wild, wild guess whose uh, audio did not get recorded. Um, our lovely host, the man was, with the hair. <laughs> there's no need to speculate, really. You know, it really could have been anyone, and um, that's uh, that's the biz, as they say, in the biz. Um, but it is very exciting to be back. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I have been absolutely drowning in reports out of training camp. Uh, which has just started this week, and it feels so good. It feels so good to watch highlights. Feels so good to see see updates. It's it's fucking football season again. Yeah, my Twitter feed's just destroyed right now, uh, but I love it. It's it's destroyed in a good way. Uh, I need to probably get in the habit of turning some of those notifications off while I'm at work. Uh, but I mean, hey, I need to get them beat reports as soon as they <laughs> happen. So. Some work can wait. Yeah. Yeah, Nick, you don't want someone else to beat you to those reports. Ha ha. Oh, <laughs> ayo. As you can see, we're no, coming back uh, with the fire. Yeah. Super hot fire, boy. That's why they call me super hot. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been great to hear uh, all the buzz coming out of training camps about some rookies, about some veterans who have, you know, made some plays or maybe have not made some plays. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited that football season's right around the corner. It's the nice thing about early training camp reports is that anytime you see a report, I feel like it's the guy that you wanted to be lighting it up, just absolutely lighting it up. And you're like, oh, that's good. You know, first day of training camp, he's, he's lighting it up. For those of us that are smart. Yeah. That's the way it works. Yeah. Yeah. It feels good to get some, some affirmation, but be careful on our early training camp reports. Uh, we're not going to talk about training camp so much tonight, um, but we do have some news updates from the NFL to start. Um, and we'll start with the biggest one that's happened since we've been gone and most recent kind of, which is uh, Deshaun Watson. We have a decision, sort of. We have a decision that came down from the judge. That was a six-game suspension for Deshaun Watson. Um, as of today, the NFL is appealing that there are claims, you know, the NFL wants it to be longer, I believe is, is what's going on. Um, Seems that way, uh, longer and more monies. Apparently, apparently they're really looking to go after the money, um, is the reports I was seeing. But, uh, apparently the NFL PA is also going to sue the NFL now. So, I mean, it's, it's a mess. (laughs) Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, it's hard to watch that because, like, instinctually, I root for a players' association. Like, you know, they're there to fight for the rights of the players. But in this case, doesn't feel the same. Doesn't quite feel the same way. I think uh, the NFL was um, maybe swayed a little bit by the court of public opinion when hashtag only six was trending on Twitter for approximately 26 hours. Um, I feel like... Everybody felt that the six-game suspension wasn't enough, and now Goodell is like, all right, well, 
we might piss everybody off if we keep it at six. So I feel like he was uh, very much swayed by the court of public opinion. Honestly, if that is the case, it's a little sad. But at the same time, uh, good for us. Good, good for the people for uh, you know, kind of going to bat for what they think is right. And and I mean, we don't have to get too far into it. But with the laundry list that this guy had, at best it's inappropriate at worst it is apprehensible um yeah like, reprehensible reprehensible yeah i mean mm. you said numbers are hard words are hard for me that's why i'm here doing a <laughs> podcast uh just playing into my strengths mm-hmm. yes sir yeah i feel like if anything you know the court of public opinion will have an effect on the you know the outcome of this in the same way that public opinion got that Kendall Kendall Jenner Pepsi commercial taken down um it's like all right cool but why was it there in the first place you know anyway yeah, so but what good comparison yeah so anyway fantasy football wise um Deshaun Watson's stock is not nearly as low as it could have been if he had missed the whole season and obviously that's still pending but it doesn't seem that way for now and then just same goes for the rest of the Browns weapons for Amari Cooper um Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, yeah. Um, so we did start the show talking about how exciting training camp is, and it's great. And there is also the downside of it, which is that football is still a dangerous game, even in training camp. And unfortunately, that has hit the Broncos and Tim Patrick in particular, who suffered a season-ending torn ACL and... I am sad. I'm very sad. I had really high hopes for Tim Patrick. Loved him as a like insanely late like free pick um where, you know, he really showed showed up in some spots last season, especially with some injuries to the rest of the wide receivers on the team and just a just a really solid receiver that I was excited to see play with Russell Wilson. Um we will not get to see that this year. No, and uh it sucks for Tim Patrick, but Go get some some KJ Hamler. He's also coming off his own ACL injury from last year and a hip injury. I want to say I think he had like multiple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that's right. He is back at practice. Um, he was second round pick. He's a flyer. He's got Russell Wilson now. It's uh, it's worth a dart throw. Hate to see Tim Patrick go down, but um, there's fantasy football to be played still. Yeah, throughout throughout my experiences in PT school, we always have joked that uh, ACLs were just made to be torn. And it's really unfortunate when it happens. It's such a debilitating injury. I mean, it really has no, it has a very minor role, uh, it seems, or, you know, it almost seems like it has such an insignificant role in the knee. Now it is important. It's very important for the stability, but it, it seems like it's just torn so often that God put it in the knee just for us to fucking tear it and have, you know, year long rehabs and unfortunate uh fantasy football uh issues and adversity to face uh if you had him on a dynasty roster already and we're hoping to uh to start him this year with a much better quarterback situation. So prayers to Tim Patrick. I hope his his rehab is is quick and, you know, as as, you know, error slash setback free as possible. Um but we've talked about it as a group off off air, but ACLs are super hard to come back from. Um, the timeline is is very um, variable, for lack of a better term, um, for everybody who comes back from them. David Bakhtiari, for example, still dealing with his um, almost a year and a half to two years later. So um, you just never know uh, with the ACL. So 
hopefully Tim Patrick has uh, a quick and speedy recovery. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so on to some, some lighter stuff. Uh, Debo Samuel has signed a new contract with the 49ers. The man got paid. The man got absolutely paid. And, uh, you know, there was some concern because Debo requested a trade early in the offseason. And there was sort of some confusion as to what the issue was. Like, there were reports stretching so far as, like, um, he uh, he wanted to go back home to play near, like, Carolina, like, where his family's from. I think that was all a little bit overblown, but obviously it's the offseason. You know, we, we will jump at any chance we get to report anything. Um, big news for Debo Samuel in this contract. Um, their incentives related to, uh, to rushing achievements. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rushing yards, rushing touchdowns. Um, so if Debo Samuel does get any rushing work, he's going to get paid for it, which means they probably still plan to use Debo Samuel to use some rushing work. I think so. I mean, this is San Fran. They're going to rotate running backs. Um, it's just it's just what Kyle Shanahan does. Um, we've seen it time and time again. Big, big ups to Debo. Um I think this is really good for Trey Lance. Obviously, you want your not rookie, but second year barely played the position quarterback to have his top target, and he will be there. Uh, so, so huge for that offense, huge for Debo. He got to bay. He's like, and I'm not making a player to player comparison here, but he's he's having a Patrick Mahomes rookie year, where Patrick Mahomes only played his rookie year after the Chiefs had qualified for the playoffs. And he, you know, you know, their positioning wasn't going to change, and so he started his last, the last game. And Trey Lance started one or two games when Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt, and sorry, one game when Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt, and then one game like that at the end of the season when playoff positioning was determined. Trey Lance is essentially a rookie for on-field play purposes. And I believe he was dealing with a thumb injury um, when he was playing uh, last year, but don't hold me to that. Uh, so hopefully this year no injuries, um, all the weapons, and all of the fantasy points for both Debo and Trey Lance. Yeah, I will say, it's got to be a little bit spooky to be a defensive coordinator, and you look in the backfield, see Debo, Trey Lance, and Elijah Mitchell lined up all right next to each other, four <laughs> yards from the goal line. Like, what do you what do? You do? And George know. Kittle probably to his right. Yeah, George Kittle say, just hanging Tyrion out there, Davis too. Price. <laughs> yes, sir. We'll see, you know? We'll see, because... Again, I'm not going to dive into training camp stuff here, but apparently Trey Sermon is getting a lot of buzz again. It's a mess. Training camp is a mess in the best way. Um, on to some other news. Just today this broke. Uh, Hollywood Brown was arrested in Arizona for criminal speeding. Was that criminal speeding? Yeah, we See? haven't seen how fast he was going. I, I'd I'd like to know, honestly. Like, I mean, knowing Hollywood, he's probably going pretty damn fast. <laughs> that man <laughs> yeah, is, facts. That man knows speed. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think this is probably pretty nothing, but uh, could be something to monitor, I guess, if he ends up potentially missing time for this. I don't know if it's that serious, but because it is a criminal offense, who the hell knows? Um, the NFL likes to care about random things for random reasons, like betting on a game that you're not playing in. Um, but yeah, something to monitor. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, it's projects to be okay for now but but keep an eye and then um irv smith uh irv smith a lot of guy that i think a lot of people had hoped for this season you know in redraft he's like a late late round tight end option which means in dynasty <laughs> he's 
a guy who you know who might be sitting on your roster somewhere that will have some some chance to play this season. Um, he is having uh, thumb surgery. He's got a small thumb issue. The team expects him to be back for week one. Um, just could be a slightly sketchy early season start, but not something that will derail his season at all. And uh, from what I've heard, this thumb in- issue is uh, unrelated to his meniscus issue from last year. So um, <laughs> that's good. Not I a- just. I was- <laughs> I was just looking up what his <laughs> injury was from last year, and then I heard that comment, and I was like, yeah, pretty sure the thumb and the meniscus, not related. That's, <laughs> That's a very astute observation by the uh, English major in this podcast. Group. You know, you, you hang out with an athletic trainer long enough, you start to learn some things. Um, yeah. Hey, thank God you're listening. <laughs> All right, so that's going to cover it for the news we're talking about. Obviously, there's so much going on right now, but... We're trying to hit the important stuff and, and move on. Um, so for this episode, we are now in the season where I think trading is just super prevalent. You know, we've made it past startup drafts. If you're starting in a new league this year, um, now you're starting to get some of the more casual players who weren't really paying attention most of the offseason, um, you know, back focusing on things. And there's hype. There's hype around players. Uh Pretty much all of the big off-season moves have been made. You know, teams are getting into training. Training teams are getting into training camp and settling in with their squads. And so today we want to talk about some players that you might like to buy if you're looking to win now, and some players you might be looking at if you're looking to win later. I'll speak for all of us here in saying that I think we love trading on this podcast. I think we are huge fans of trading. It's the bee's knees. <laughs> Listen, I didn't think that anybody loved trading more than Nick Sarep, but I will give a special shout-out to Ben Baker, who may or may not be listening to this podcast right now. That man has made so many trades in our leagues uh, this offseason. Uh, no one loves trading more than that man. Sorry, Nick. I think he takes the crown this offseason. Um, but, yes, all of us uh, love to talk trades. Even if we're not making the trades ourselves, you can definitely count on us to uh, answer a text and give an opinion uh, about a trade, which some people who may be listening to this podcast have already done. <laughs> yeah. Um, shout out to Ben. I would be surprised if he's listening right now because we are recording this currently, but yeah, hopefully like later <laughs> at some point. Um, <laughs> hey, you get what Sorry. I mean. <laughs> Sorry. I'll just be a dickhead at that point. Um, so anyway, some some players to buy now. Um, how do you guys want to go about this? Should we go positionally? Should we go uh, just 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 man by man here? Brady, why don't you start us out? You were you were really the first to get us rolling tonight with things. Why don't you give us a player that you think is a good buy to win now? I think somebody who's gone pretty unnoticed this off season, um, and maybe even a team. Uh, that's gone pretty unnoticed this offseason. Uh, the Houston Texans have a wide receiver, um, Brandon Cooks. Uh, he's 28 years old, finished at wide receiver 20 last year. Right now in most Dynasty rankings, he's ranked in about the mid to late 30s, um, and they just lost their rookie wide receiver to an unfortunate medical situation. Um, Brandon Cooks, I think, formed great chemistry with Davis Mills last year, um, who's had a little bit of buzz uh, coming out of uh, this year's training camp. And I think they can continue that success this year. And Brandon Cooks could have a bit of a, a sleeper 
sleeper season and uh, do some damage in that AFC South. I know there's some pretty good corners in that AFC South now um, with Stephon Gilmore coming in. Um, the tech, um, the Titans have Caleb Farley, um, who's in his second year, pretty big body, uh, covers, covers pretty well. Um, but I think Davis Mills and Brandon Cooks have formed a, a connection, uh, already and are going to build on that. And he's also just like historically been productive with all the teams he's been on. And so I just don't think he's getting enough love right now. Uh, and if you're looking for that good flex flex option, um, that plays more like a wide receiver too. Uh, Brandon Cooks is your guy. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not a buy segment if Brandon Cooks' name does not come up. The man absolutely. is the most consistently underrated, most consistently disrespected wide receiver in the NFL. Um, yeah, he he's really good. He's solid. I think this offense uh, has a sneaky shot at being okay this year. And no matter what, Brandon Cooks is going to eat up all of the targets. Um, he's a hog. <laughs> You know what it is. Um, yeah, I love it, Brady. Yeah, you know the fucking vibes. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. So I'm co-managing a, a redraft team this year. Um, thanks, work. Uh, but um, <laughs> I've I've already explained to my co-manager after running a few few mock drafts that I think Brandon Cooks is my favorite player in fantasy this year. Just just like in redraft, this is a bit of a redraft tangent, but like going in the fourth round and picking Mike Williams and then coming back around in the fifth and grabbing Brandon cooks. So you get that, those boom games and then that stability to back it up. Ooh, love it. But yeah, I, I love Brandon cooks. I'm Brandon cooks, biggest fan. I he's look, he has, he's going to be solid. Like he'll, he'll put up 13 points a week, which on dynasty rosters, which are huge is very important to have guys like that, that you can count on. And, uh, He'll also have weeks where he he'll score a touchdown and also go for a hundred yards. You know, massive weeks. Um, and yeah, again, like you said, consistently undervalued. Love it, um, Nick. Who's a player that you would like to uh, to buy now to win now? Julio Hones. Um, Julio, Julio Hones. Please give me all the shares. Uh, <laughs> he. You guys look like you're gonna laugh at me, but. You could get him no, for no. a late third right now. I guarantee you go to somebody, if you're a contender, with a third-round pick and they have Julio Jones, they will most likely give you Julio Jones. Listen, I know he's old. I know last year didn't really work out, um, mostly because of injury, actually. If you look at his splits, he was pretty solid. Um, let's not act like he didn't make that high right, highlight real catch on the sidelines where he had to run Top back the for helmet. it. Yeah, that like insane. I'm not saying he's going to be God. He's not going to be what Julio Jones once was, but in this Tom Brady offense, especially if Chris Godwin misses a couple weeks, just even a handful, he's going to get targets. He's going to be at least a flex play. And if you could get him for a third, you're going for a chip. You need pieces like that on your bench. Hey, Toby Keith once said, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. And that once for Julio Jones this season, he, I, I was not about to laugh at you, Nick. I think he's going to be an absolute monster for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Appreciate especially it. in the red zone. And so I feel like anything that Gronk got in the red zone, not going to Cameron Brate, definitely going to Julio Jones. Like everybody's kind of on the Mike Evans train now that Gronk's not there for the red zone targets. But I, I mean, Julio's a freak athlete and one of the best route runners in the game. Um, I think his red zone uh, targets are going to go like through the roof 
And I honestly love this. I think you're right. I think you can get him for like a mid to early third round pick right now for someone who's looking for a rebuild. So, yeah, give me all the Julio Hones. Yeet. Is there anything else that anyone wants to say? No, because I feel like I'm consistently called out for Colts Homer picks on this podcast, and <laughs> and here we have here we have the Falcons fan of all Falcons fans. Hey, um, hey, you know that you know this took a lot because this is the it Julio hurts. Jones. I know it. I know Buccaneers. it hurts like to see, but you gotta respect you gotta respect what he could do in fantasy this year. Yeah, look, I one of the things I'll say is you know you see like Antonio Brown, a guy who was really going through his worst period. He had that trade to the Raiders that didn't work out and a whole bunch of shit after that. And then Tom Brady worked with him for like two weeks or maybe one week in New England and it was electric. And he then was living in his house, bro. He was living in the Brady house. Was he also kissing Tom Brady's kids on the lips or I hope not. <laughs> 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 I hope not. I really hope not. And then and then you know you had last year and you know a little bit the year before where he was Brady was still throwing the ball to Antonio Brown. Brady knows what a good receiver looks like and he trusts them. And so as long as as long as Julio's healthy, Brady is going to be looking for him before he's looking for Russell Gage. He's going to be looking for him before he's looking for Cameron Braid. He'll look for him second after Mike Evans, and that's... Yeah, because Brady's yeah. going to want to count on guys he can trust, and if he can get the ball to Julio, Julio ain't dropping it. You know, Russell Gage, Cameron Braid might have a couple extra drops mm-hmm. here and there. You're right. Tom just wants somebody he can trust and count on, and absolutely he can have that in Julio Jones. Yeah, I think, yeah, very, very good pick. Um... I'll go next because both of you have gone once, and this seems to make sense. One by one by one. <laughs> Circle jerk. Um, just keep it going. So I'm I'm going to go a little bit position by position, and I'm going to talk two players here for quarterbacks. Uh, the first is, and keep in mind, everything I'm about to say is only pertinent to superflex leagues because for anything else, just probably don't buy a quarterback. Like it, buy one on the cheap. Like if. If you are literally a quarterback away in a one QB league and you want to trade for Tom Brady, go for it, but don't pay up. Anyway, Russell Wilson, if you have a a solid number two and you are kind of looking for a number one quarterback, Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson is a little bit expensive right now. But I think he will exceed the cost that you that you would need to trade for him. I think there's a lot of hype. Just being in a new place, like I, it doesn't really make all that much sense because he came from having, first of all, his entire career worth of success on the on one team, plus DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, to an entirely new group of wide receivers. But I think Russ, with a new coaching regime that wants to let let Russ cook, you know, probably not going to be a run first offense. I think Russ has the the you know potential this year to be one of those peak quarterbacks where you know like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning used to be where they're not the top guy like Lamar or Jalen Hurts where they're rushing for eight touchdowns and seven hundred yards. They're the top guy because they're throwing for forty five touchdowns and five thousand yards, like a Patrick Mahomes type year. You know, gonna he's, Russ is still going to contribute some on the ground. But if you want to buy a QB one, I think you can do barely. <laughs> I think you can. I think you can buy Russ at market value right now 
and still get a really good return on your investment. I'm going to agree and disagree with you, Andrew. I'm not quite as ready to ride uh, as a part of Broncos country as you are. Let's ride. I think Russell Wilson... I think Russell Wilson will have a fantastic year this year. And I agree with you that I think um, he is worth the price. I think it is worth overpaying for him in a super super flex format. However, I think something that is going to help Russ in this situation is that that run game can be so strong. If you think back, his best years with the Seattle Seahawks where he was you know, also productive as a quarterback in fantasy, they had a strong run game where he could use that run game to create play action, get out of the pocket, find those athletic receivers, you know, out in open space like Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy are going to be. And so I think having, you know, Melvin Gordon and, and uh, Javante Williams are going to help Russell Wilson because he does love the kind of that play action game. And he, that's where he kind of thrives because um, he's not quite tall enough to stand in the pocket and just throw it over top of offensive linemen. Uh, <laughs> no offense. Shout out to the short Kings. But I think Russell Wilson is worth the price despite <laughs> being the short King that he is. Yeah. I mean, I won't say a lot. I, I like it. Um, I think especially the one thing you said that I want to comment on is, he could be worth the price. If you're a contender and you think this piece is going to put you over the top, no matter what it is, it's worth the price. Um, but, yeah, no, I do like Russell Wilson, especially in Superflex formats. like it for his teammates even more than I probably like it for Russ. Uh, like I said before, KJ Hamler, maybe a sneaky bench ad. Um, but, yeah, I love the pick. Cool. So a quick second shout-out here then at the quarterback position. The alternative to that, if you're looking for a QB2, if – if you have Russ as your QB one, if you have Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and you waited to, you know, you've you've kind of been balking on the QB two position. Kirk Cousins is my buy low candidate right now. I think even in a super flex league, you, you like get... that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I very much like that. Yeah, I think in in a super flex league, you can get Kirk Cousins for a second round pick and not much more. And I think he could have a huge year. He's got weapons all around him. All. All the reports out of uh, you know out of Minnesota have been that they want to pass the ball more this year, and with the weapons that are there, those could be huge numbers for Kirk Cousins. Like I could see Kirk Cousins legitimately finishing as a top twelve quarterback this year, and you know if you're going to pick him up, you're not paying top twelve quarterback in dynasty prices. So if you're winning now, Kirk Cousins is your QB two. You could do a whole lot worse. I will say. Um... On this one, I would make sure you're a contender. Don't be like a fringe team that like, oh, maybe if I get Kirk Cousins, it'll put me in a contender. No. Yeah. Because yeah. his situation is a little bit scary. Um, he is only under contract for one more year, uh, I want to say. Uh, ooh, Two? He just signed a little bit of an extension. So I'm going to go with one more year, I think. That's off the that's off the hizzy. That's off the hizzy. No research. But uh, anyway, not not many. Yeah, that not many, and not to say you couldn't get a job somewhere else, but it's something to think about. Um, not being tied to Justin Jefferson anymore, yeah, has to be a hit. So yeah, I I don't hate it. I think he's a good pick, but um, would be careful. It's one year contract can confirm. So yeah, Nick, that is a very good point. I think for any player that we're talking now is like you want to be certain you have you, you know you you are a contending team, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this later, but. Very good thing to keep in mind. On to the next one. I'm going to jump in quick here before uh, Andrew's Colts homerism uh, jumps out. 
and I'm going to pick Michael Pittman. Uh, sorry. Woo! And I think it goes without saying, the man has a new quarterback in town, and that quarterback has been known to feed, feed, feed one wide receiver, whether it was Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley in Atlanta. Um, I think Michael Roddy White. Possibly Roddy White, if you're going way back, way back. Nick's out here, you know, just loving all these Falcons references. Um, Michael Pittman is that dude, um, and he was that dude with a quarterback who played with two sprained ankles, okay? So if Michael Pittman can do what he did with Carson Wentz, I can only imagine what he's going to do with an astronaut like Matt Ryan. He's big. He's physical. He can make plays. He's good going up with the ball. He's just a straight dog, and I don't think I need to say much more than that. Yeah, Andrew, I'll let you. I'll let you back clean up here. Um, yeah, I, I love Michael Pittman. He's one of my favorite um, breakout guys this year. I know he kind of broke out last year, but I think he just absolutely beats the beats the brakes off the roof and jumps. Michael right through Pittman, it this top year. five wide receiver um, this year. That's what I'm saying. Wow, <laughs> that's bold. That's very that's bold. bold. I love it. Um, I'm not quite there, but um, I do love it. Uh, I think Matt Ryan makes his team so much better and, and so much more so than most people are willing to admit or think at this point, and I think it's going to be pretty obvious pretty early. Yeah, so I won't dwell too much. Um, but, yeah, Michael Pittman, going into his third year, only 24 years old, um, one of the things that has been coming out of Colts camp a lot is how quickly Matt Ryan runs the offense and the timing of it all. And Michael Pittman seems like a pretty standard, like kind of deep threat guy. He's not that fast, but he's huge. And like he, he wins contested catches. He does do that. But a lot of the ways that the Colts have used him over his first two years is as a catch and run guy. So if you've got a guy who's hitting, who's hitting your wide receivers right as they're coming out of their breaks, that's a massive boost. That's a massive boost for, uh, you know, for that kind of player rather than someone that panics and scrambles. And I think we're all, we all know who I'm talking about. I, I yeah, I think Matt Ryan's huge boost to the offense and especially to Michael Pittman who, you know, Alec Pierce is having a good camp through the first couple of days and there's buzz about Paris Campbell again because there is buzz about Paris Campbell always cuz he's a uh, an athletic guy who unfortunately just can't stay on the field. But Michael Pittman is the clear wide receiver one here. He has that role carved out and um just a very good combination of things for a young wide receiver to not only perform for you now, but see his stock rise. Um, I would be surprised if Michael Pittman's drafted outside of the third round of uh, startups next year. Um, but thank you, Brady, for the Colts pick. No problem. I'd love to hear it. No problem. It's, been, it's been so long since the Colts have had good uh, like weapons, you know, wide receivers and, and, and running backs. You know, there was T.Y. Hilton, but other than that, it was just kind of Andrew Luck and Bust. But between Taylor and Pittman, it's it's nice to have some offensive playmakers again. Um, Nick? Yeah, the next one I will say is K.J. Osborne. Um, kind of bringing it back since Andrew just talked about Kirk Cousins. I, uh, I think K.J. Osborne probably takes a bigger step in this offense. Andrew, what are you laughing about? Nothing. No, nothing. I'll tell you when it comes up. All right, all right. Um, yeah, I think K.J. Osborne takes a step up in this offense. Um, it's also possible that Adam Thielen, at his ripe age of old as dirt, takes a step back, um, leaving more opportunity for K.J. Osborne. We talked about at the top about Irv Smith getting injured. While that might not be season-ending, um, 
you kind of get where I'm going here. I think there's a lot of opportunity this offense, especially if they want to throw the ball more. And KJ Osborne's a, a young guy that has shown that you know he can get the job done if he gets the targets. This is going to be the first one that I'm going to disagree with. And uh, the only reason I'm saying that is why are we hating on Adam Thielen? He's sneaky athletic. He's coach's son. He's first one in, last one out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> dude is a freak athlete, and I think he's still got it even at the ripe age of about 37 or what it seems like 37. Um, fantastic athlete. Played great in the Lake Tahoe Golf Tournament uh, this year. Shout out to uh, – Anybody who watched the American Century Championship. Um, I think KJ Osborne maybe fits in the category of players to buy now to win later. Um, but I think he's probably not going to see enough, even with the spike uh, in passing uh, volume this year. I don't know that he's going to see enough to really help a team that's you know looking to win right now. Um, personal opinion, I could be wrong. Been wrong before. Uh, but this is probably the first one I would disagree with. I just want to like jump back in and try to defend myself a little. Um, I guess I see KJ more as kind of like how I was describing Julio, a depth piece, someone that could go into your flex, someone who is going to have good weeks and is going to be involved. And I, I do think KJ Osborne, I think there's a world where KJ Osborne's a decent flex option, a lower tier one at that, but still, um, even if Adam Thielen doesn't regress. So um, do you guys... Do you guys know how many touchdowns KJ Osborne scored last year? Probably about four or five. I don't actually. KJ Osborne scored seven touchdowns last year. Um, yeah, a little few, which more is than one I more, one more than the aforementioned Michael Pittman. Um, I I personally love the pick. If I, I I have been high on KJ Osborne this off season, I think KJ Osborne by the end of the season might be worth a mid second round pick. I'm. I'll, I'll call it now. I'll call my shot. I think he'll be worth a mid-second-round pick. Maybe not a 23-second-round pick necessarily, but a 22-second-round pick. Uh, different draft classes. But um, I I love the pick. I think he's definitely going to be a spike-week guy, but um, I think he could have a lot more consistency if you know everything holds true and this offense is passing a lot more. Um, but he is a guy that honestly is just off of most people's radars entirely. Um, So to get that kind of value, to get a guy who could, yeah, while he might be inconsistent, but I think could legitimately finish as a wide receiver three um, for what might be, like you might be trading to a guy who might be like, oh, I I have KJ Osborne on my roster? What are you you looking at him for? I I think it could be big. He's a big play guy, and... uh, you know, if you see a big play guy with a guy who might get, you combine big play guy with a guy who might get more targets. I really like the KJ Osborne pick. Um, so as I said, I was going position by position. I'll go to running back next. And um, Nick, this is kind of exactly what you've been talking about: is um, depth pieces, knowing that you are a contender, and I think this is insanely vital because I think there are a lot of people who think they're contenders, but then football starts being played injuries happen bye weeks happen it's the really little things that will get you by the end of the season um so my pick for running back to buy now to win now because you can't really buy this guy for the future is melvin gordon um melvin gordon was much uh much maligned this offseason i think for going back to denver because everyone wanted to just see javante williams be rb one of one um you know, no one else is there. 
and he just gets to rule over the backfield by himself. And I still think Javante Williams is going to have a great season. But I think Melvin Gordon will too. I think this backfield is going to be about a 60-40 split. I think Javante is going to be a little bit more efficient and obviously with the higher volume is is going to be great still. But I think Melvin Gordon is going to have a serious role in what will be a much better offense than it was last season. For a guy who's older, for a guy who is clearly the number two in his backfield, it's like a reverse, like a reverse Zeke and Pollard situation. You have the up-and-comer versus the established vet. I think Melvin Gordon can have some serious value because he looked great last season. Like his play hasn't fallen off at all. The reason that his value is dipped is because he's older and he's the number two guy in his offense. But for a guy that could be your running back four, even potentially your running back three, I think he's a fantastic option. Like I think he's a, because you know, you can never have enough depth at running back. It's the most oft, uh, oft injured position. I think he's an amazing depth piece this year that will have a ton of relevance. Yeah, I don't hate it. Uh, I think, I think this is probably his last year um, of this kind of situation. I think Javante Williams probably at some point makes it pretty obvious that he is that dude. Um, but I do think at least first half of the season he is going to be somebody that is um, startable if you need him to be. So, yeah, I like the pick. You can get him cheap. He is old, but um, you don't have to hate the old guys, especially if you're trying to win now. I think what you two are trying to say is most dynasty players right now are saying that they've had the old bull, but now they want the young calf. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Especially when they see the chest pubes down in the ball. Shout out Step Brothers. (laughs) Uh, No, I like the pick. I don't think there's much more to say about it. Melvin Gordon, solid running back. Still going to get a lot of work here. Um, love the pick, Andrew. Brady, back to you. Yeah, I don't really have like a solid one that I want to put a lot of chips on uh, for for the rest of the season um, to win now. But I want to give one sort of honorable mention because I think most people are kind of in on him this year, especially after what happened in the playoffs. Um, and that is playoff Lenny, Leonard Fournette. Um, Ronald Jones out of town. There's a little... A little less question marks in terms of, you know, who's going to be the starter. But Rashad White kind of came in and is now trying to, you know, maybe stir up the pot a little bit. Um, But Leonard Fournette, um, even at 27 years old, going to get plenty of volume. Running game, passing game, you name it. I think Tom Brady loves people he can count on. And Leonard Leonard Fournette is certainly that guy. So I just want to give a little shout out to Lenny Fournette because I think most people – who are maybe trying to win now are looking at Leonard Fournette as that running back they could go get as like their RB3 um, or maybe low-end RB2 um, to help them get through um, this season and possibly to a championship. Yeah, um, I I am personally pretty high on Leonard Fournette this season, and I say that as someone who is also high on Rashad White as a player. Uh, like, with, again, like, with a team like this, with a veteran quarterback – you want those trusted players. And clearly Tom Brady trusts Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette was like built himself uh, value wise as like a pass catching running back last year. And that not only means, you know, trust him to catch passes, but trust him to be in on pass catching downs, which is so difficult for a rookie running back. Like it's so difficult for, especially when you have a quarterback like Tom Brady, who knows exactly what to expect, like to trust a rookie running back to be his blocker, on on passing downs 
And so Leonard Fournette's going to be on the field a lot. And especially recently, some, some news we didn't cover, but the, the fat Lenny situation, um, where Leonard Fournette supposedly showed up to camp at like 260 pounds and was overweight and all that. Um, there could still be a dip in value there. So, yeah, I mean, if you're if you are looking to win now and looking to solidify like an RB two spot, Leonard Fournette could be that dude who could have RB one upside every week. That fat Lenny shit was a bunch of trash. If you believe that, you're sorry. <laughs> your dog water. Yeah. Your dog water of fantasy. Yeah. If you believe yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, the dude's already back in shape. Um, you guys said it all. Uh, I like to pick. I like Leonard Fournette. Yeah, hey, I want to. I want to. <laughs> I want to quickly transition here because I want to hear. I want to hear this shit ASAP. I'll, I want to hear who Andrew's tight end pick is for this year. Oh, my tight end pick. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I'm gonna boost myself here a little bit and talk about a guy I I just traded for on the what I think is the fairly cheap, um, and that's Zach Ertz. Um, so obviously tight end in fantasy is a it's a shitty landscape man tight end sucks it's very very difficult to find valuable pieces at tight end um so i've you know i have a team where it's it's such a win now roster like it's such a win now roster and i just feel a little bit sketchy at my tight end position and it's impossible to trade for the top guys so the solution then is to get as many good guys in the rotation as you can and luckily on a dynasty roster, you can afford to, you know, stack a couple of tight ends and, and play for upside. And then that way you could always play the wrong one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that being said, that's why Zach Ertz will be starting the first six weeks of the season for me at tight end, guaranteed. So obviously, tricky situation in, in Arizona. DeAndre Hopkins is going to miss the first six weeks. Yes, Marquise Brown is there. Yes, they drafted Trey McBride, who was the first tight end off the board in this year's draft. That Trey McBride is not going to matter this year. He's not going to affect Zach Ertz. Rookie tight ends don't matter unless they're Kyle Pitts. And that's the, the truth about that position. Um, Zach Ertz was very successful, very high volume, um, played just really well, really solidly with, with Kyler Murray after he got traded there the second half of the season last year. And um, a lot of that was without DeAndre Hopkins. Um I I see more of the same to start off the year. And especially if that means, you know, if I can, you know, if I see the writing on the wall and I can trade him for more value, um, so be it. But, like, I think Zach Ertz is going to be not only during the first six weeks, but I think he's going to be a solid starting option at tight end. Like, if all you can get out of him in full PPR some weeks is eight to ten points, sometimes you'll have to take that, but that very well could be more than the other options you have. Um, but during the first six weeks, I think Zach Ertz has real potential to be, you know, if not quite like a Kelsey level difference maker at the position, at the very least, you know, solid, reliable, startable. Yeah, I wanted to get to this pick because of exactly what Andrew said. Sometimes at tight end, it's super hard to find guys um, that have a lot of upside um, that aren't in like that top 10 um, whether it's a Waller or Kittle or Hawkinson or Andrews. Right now, a lot of rankings have Zach Ertz around like tight end 15 for dynasty purposes. And I think for like 2022 season purposes, he's at least like top six, top seven, um, especially for those first six games. So I loved the pick in Zach Ertz. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Andrew uh, got that 
um, before I did because a lot of times I <laughs> shit on Andrew in this podcast, so I was very happy to uh, hype <laughs> my guy up here for a second. <laughs> yeah, this is a little kumbaya moment. Everyone's patting each other on the back. Uh, Hell yeah. I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you said it all, Andrew. Zach Ertz probably going to have, at the very least, a really nice jump start to the year, and you can never ever underrate those early season wins um get them get them now solidify your playoff spot and then uh mm-hmm. shoot for some upside and bonus someone else is struggling at a tight end say you got Ertz and you got alberto on your roster alberto comes out russell wilson loves him and you got a zach Ertz. he's flying through the first six weeks you trade zach Ertz for value after those first six weeks like just having that presence of mind um, to maybe, you know, say, okay, Zach Ertz is, you know, boom time, maybe up, um, but I can get some value out of him because I'm struggling at receiver and I can get somebody like uh, C.D. Lamb or somebody like that, you know, for for another piece and Zach Ertz. So if you have a situation like that where you have a couple tight ends on your roster, um, you can maybe use, you know, get Ertz, use him for that first six weeks, get those wins, and then try and trade him so for Maybe a you even upgrade a tight end. Like, what if what if George Kittle has a slow start to the season with Trey Lance at QB? Uh, you trade Zach Ertz, you pair him with a younger tight end like, a, like an Irv Smith. You say, hey, here's your now, here's your upside for later, and you grab a stud because they're going to figure that shit out eventually. Teams figure Boom. out how to get balls to their studs. Nick, on to you. So Andrew made a comment about Homer picks. I'm going to fly through this, this one. This is what I was uh, laughing I think at earlier. Marky Mark, I figured. <laughs> oh, I figured. shit. Here we go I, I think Marky Mark, Marcus Mariota, um, I think he is, one, dirt cheap. Two, a rushing quarterback. And let's be honest, that is the only way he's going to be successful. I think you can get him for a late third, maybe a fourth, a bench-clogging wide receiver. Um, literally nothing. And in a super flex league, he could help you win a couple games this year. I mean, we've been harping on depth this entire time, especially if you're trying to win a chip. And it's hard to get good startable depth at the quarterback position because there are so few who get to play. And you want the ones that are going to be on the field. I think Marcus Mariota, at least for this year, if you're trying to win, go get them rushing yards, couple rushing scores. He's got a couple dogs to throw to, big bodies, hard to miss yes, them. Yes, sir. Go get Marky Mark. <laughs> Marcus Mariota, number one on the field, but also number one in Nick's heart. Not not quite true. I, I do promise that this is not a homer pick. This is, this is an honest, I think Marcus Mariota could be a top 20 quarterback this year. I was just laughing earlier because – I felt like you went from Julio to avoiding Marcus Mariota so that you weren't accused of making a homer pick twice in a row. <laughs> Which is very... I'd be lying if I said it wasn't strategic. Very strategic. Um, Marcus Mariota, I will say, you know, when he's on the field, not a not a bad depth quarterback, I don't think. Because, again, just the rushing yards, the rushing upside is there. My concern, and it's weird to me to have this concern, is Desmond Ritter because... If the Falcons' offense is bad, they're going to start Desmond Ritter because they didn't spend like a super early pick on him, so they don't have to commit to him, but they might as well see what they've got. And that's been the general consensus, I think, around the fantasy community is that Desmond Ritter might have value 
for the future, obviously, I don't think he does, but might have value because he'll get some some starts year one, which you can't say about like necessarily like a Matt Corral or even a Malik Willis. I I really don't like Desmond Ritter as a prospect. I really have been out on him for the longest time, but um, I yeah, I mean no that's <laughs> that's my that's my only fear is that Marcus Mariota you might get eight to ten games out of him. At which, in which case, like a third even feels a little bit expensive to me. But that's my my only big. If if you guaranteed me Marcus Mariota would start seventeen games this year, fifteen games this year, sure, pay a third for my own minor at all. I'm not a Falcons fan, but you can leave that negativity about Desmond Ritter at the door, Andrew. Yeah, and I know you like Desmond any of that Ritter. Slander on here, okay? My Everybody who knows me knows I've been Desmond Ritter fan for a long, long time. Uh, I am concerned, I think, like Andrew is, about the potential like the potential for him coming in late in the season because the, the question is going to come down to is, is the difference between Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter large enough to warrant playing Marcus over getting Desmond that experience? Like when you have an older guy who maybe might be a little bit better um, – but, you know, isn't going to be the future of your team. And then you have a younger guy who's maybe a little bit worse, maybe lose one or two games for you, um, you know, more than your your older vet guy. Um, but you want to get him that those reps, especially because Desmond Ritter is not a spring chicken. Um, so you want to get him involved as <laughs> He doesn't look possible. like one, I that's for sure. <laughs> that, that's for sure. Uh, but I just wonder if that difference between the two of them is going to be enough so that like to where that Marcus could play all year. That's my only concern there. And I know Nick's going to come out here playing ultra Falcons Homer defense on me and Andrew right now. Um, but I had to get that out there. I didn't mean to shit on two of your picks, Nick. No, no. Uh, everything you guys said is completely fair. And I do have that concern too, but I also think that's why you're getting a quarterback who's likely the starter week one at such a discount. I mean, I think it's built into his value. Um, that being said, yeah, it is a little risky, but if if you're a team that's built to win now, like truly a top three team in your league on paper, what's a third to you? For real, though. Yeah. No, that's Not fair. a damn thing. That's very fair. Um all right, boys, we've been talking we've been talking depth, um, which is the less sexy side of fantasy football, but extremely necessary, um, if you're gonna be if you're gonna be pushing for anything. But I'm going to talk about a sexy pick here. My last uh, player to buy now to win now, which is Stefan Diggs. Um, Stefan Diggs has as much chance to finish as overall wide receiver one this year than anyone else. The end. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll say a little bit more, but like Stefan Diggs is coming off a slightly what people perceived as down year. He was probably a late first to early second pick in startups last year. And this year is down in the third, but like Stefan Diggs has that wide receiver one upside and you can get him. Well, not obviously everyone knows he's, he's, he's projected as a wide receiver one this year, but he literally has the wide receiver one overall upside. And that is not what you're paying for him. You're not paying for Stefan Diggs, which you'd be paying for Cooper cup. And in the Dynasty League, that is so okay with me. Like, if you can get a if you can get Stephon Diggs, and again, 
bank on the fact that you're a contender before you're making these purchases. But if you can trade a late 23 first plus not much more and end up with Stefan Diggs, take it. You know, take that extra extra piece to push your team over the top. Definitely agreed. I mean, in terms of an offense that passes the ball at an alarming rate, uh, it's the Bills. There is a lot of hype for Gabe Davis right now as well. Plus, Stephon Diggs is what twenty eight, so he is like a little bit older of a wide receiver. A little bit I mean, older, still very much in his prime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like the pick. I think Stephon Diggs probably has a bounce back year, which is hilarious to say for a guy who was a oh, fantasy wide receiver one last year. Um, which means, yeah, I, I think Stephon Diggs is going to smash. So, yeah, he's a dog. Not much to say. Um, hold up, guys. Wait, let me. I'm getting a I'm getting an update here about a trade that just went through for Julio Jones. So this is interesting. So let's see what you guys in 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 a dynasty league. Now are we getting a live reaction? We're getting a right live now? reaction. I want to hear your guys' live reaction. Unboxing. Because let's go. Unboxing real life fantasy trades. I'm a little bit astounded by this trade. Because it makes absolutely no sense to me. And I feel like I look at I look at trades this way a lot. But <laughs> Okay. I'll, you know what? I'll stop I'll stop teasing. I'll get right to it. So one team is getting Jared Goff. Let's call him team one. Team one gets Jared Goff. That's it. Team two obviously Yikes. Team two obviously okay. gets. Uh, listen, okay. you don't you don't even have to say what the other team gets. The fact that one team is only trading for Jared Goff <laughs> is a bit of a problem, especially knowing that Julio Jones is going to somehow be involved in this trade. So team two gets Julio Jones. Okay, we already think this is a little bit lopsided in the Julio Jones direction. Okay, maybe, maybe. Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's hear the rest of it. And a third round pick. Okay. I mean, that is kind of a bunch of trash for a little bit of trash. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't know. It feels like way more trash on the, on the Jared Goff side. Like, and yeah, you, you guys are right about that. I think my reaction to this was a little bit extreme. But I think it's just like you could probably trade each of these individual pieces, Jimmy Garoppolo, Julio Jones, and a third round pick. You might be able to trade any one of them for Jared Goff. But... I think giving up all three of them is just, I don't know, man. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, no, I think I think you're overreacting a little bit. I think I think you're capping, but. Actually, I tend to agree with Andrew. Because I think Jimmy Garoppolo and Jared Goff, this point, like, let's say Goff goes to Seattle, or let's say Garoppolo goes to Seattle, like, I bet you they finish very similar at the end of the year. Like, I don't think there's much of a difference between their fantasy well, finish. I think in that case, Garoppolo finishes definitely higher like certainly right when he's throwing a Metcalf and Lockett well okay and that's obviously far from a sure thing and yes right now Jimmy Garoppolo is a backup quarterback in the league but Jimmy Garoppolo is talented enough to be a starting quarterback in the league um you don't just not for any of the teams that have ever had him (laughs) because well I think he was talented enough to be R.I.P. Jimmy I think he was talented enough to be the Patriots quarterback, but Robert Kraft was too busy holding uh, Tom Brady's dick in his mouth, so he ended up shipping him out of town. Um, Look, there's, there's, there's Robert Kraft probably made the right call. Yeah, he <laughs> shipped him out of town because Bill wanted to start him over Tom. 
there's no doubt teams get desperate when they believe their roster is good enough to win a Super Bowl. And especially with the way the league is changing and has been changing for a long time now, trending toward more mobile quarterbacks. But Jared Goff in the past, what, three, four years has been to a Super Bowl and an NFC Championship game? Or sorry, not Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo. And yeah. not not everyone can say that. Most most quarterbacks True. in the leagues really cannot even come close to saying that. Um, well, Jared Goff can say he's been to a Super Bowl. Jared Goff can say he's been to a Super Bowl. Um, in the last five years. So could, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I, I guess if you guys, I, okay, I wasn't just, going too deep on if it. You guys, uh, if you guys had like, to I be on. I think it's just a trash trade all around. Yeah, if you guys had to be on one <laughs> side of that trade, which side would you take? The Julio side. Yeah, I'd. Yeah, I'd rather the Julio okay. side for sure, but like, yeah, I just all right. So we, neither really does it for me. That's fair. <laughs> so we're almost done with this, Nick. We got one more player to talk about, player to buy now to win now. Um, another slightly sexier pick, which is a cool way to end it off. Yeah, um, I really like Aaron Jones um, for redraft this year. Obviously, love him if you're a contending team. Obviously, yeah, he, he, you're going to have to pay up for Aaron Jones. It's not like he's extremely discounted at this point. And, yeah, he's a little older with a possible replacement in tow behind him slash with him. Might be a RB1A, RB1B kind of situation there up in Green Bay. But Devonta Adams is gone. Um, personally, not a Lazard fan. We'll see with Christian Watson. Romeo Dubs getting some some shout outs during the the camp sessions brady almost orgasmed um see and it's kind of corny to to say the cliche at this point that vacated targets typically go to the running back but i mean aaron jones is that dude as a pass catcher and i really expect him to just be an absolute freak this year i think aaron Rodgers is going to lean on him heavily in the past game and i think aaron jones is still talented enough to Completely maximize those opportunities. Better bring the dollar signs if you're training for Aaron Jones this year, but I think he's going to be worth it. I think uh, Nick is right. Plenty of pass catching upside. A.J. Dillon can't get all the carries. Um, they're going to give the ball to Aaron Jones out of the backfield because he's been electric there in the past, so why would you stop doing that, especially when you don't have your top wide receiver? Um, yeah, A.J., Aaron Jones, big buy now because in about a year or two, Quadzilla – will be taking over the Green Bay backfield. I mean, let's be honest. A.J. Dillon could get all the carries. He shouldn't because Aaron Jones is there on the roster, but, like, right. he could handle all the carries for a team. Them quads definitely for could. For sure. But yeah, I know that. No, so so Aaron Jones is, I think, a guy who's been, like, unfortunately overhyped this offseason. And not even overhyped, but, like, hyped. And because I tried to trade for Aaron Jones the other day, again, like a win now team where I was trying to trade for Aaron Jones and man, it was really feeling expensive. Um, it was a, a 23 first plus, um, and it didn't sound like they wanted anything insignificant on top of that. And that's tough for a 27 year old running back. I could end the sentence there. It's tough for a 27 year old running back, but especially one who, um, may not have his hall of fame quarterback there for much longer. That being said, I think one piece that has always been missing to Aaron Jones's game is consistency because Aaron Jones was being drafted as, you know, the fifth or sixth running back, uh, you know, in redraft leagues when he was younger, obviously, like, but like, like on the year expected to finish as a fifth or sixth running back. 
because he would have games where he would have 33 fantasy points, where he would catch a few passes, he would score two touchdowns, and he would just have those days. And I think, especially in you know half PPR, especially PPR formats, this year's really going to level him out, where he'll still have some big games, but he'll also have a much higher floor when he's not scoring a ton of touchdowns. Um, and I think that's huge. Like if, if you can get Aaron Jones for anything reasonable as a, as a win now team, absolutely go buy him because he will be an asset to your team this year. Thanks for the support fellas. <laughs> I was going to say, we just absolutely shat on Nick's picks tonight, but Hey, so that's some, that's sometimes how it goes. I supported to it. I supported two out of the four. I supported three out of the four. And that's why some people win chips and others don't. And that's just, <laughs> that's just the way of the land. I supported baby. three out of four. All right, so now the other side to this this coin that we've we've had in our palms all night is um, players that you can try and target to get now so you can win later. A.K. if you are on the other side of this, if you are a rebuilding team, players that you might be wanting to look at, obviously if you're a rebuilding team, the first thing you always want to go for is picks. And that's a good thing if you know how to draft and if you pay attention and watch the tape and pay attention to the statistics, pick well. But... It's always good to grab some some players too if you can with you know some upside and and a real possibility of success in the future. Um, so I'll start with my my most expensive of these players, uh, which is Ramondre Stevenson. And Ramondre Stevenson is a guy, and I would almost never advise buying a running back if you're in a rebuild because of the shelf life being so short. So I'll just say for Stevenson that I think he could be much better than people think he will be this year. And the future is bright. And I think if you buy him now, by next offseason, his stock is going to be way up. So, yeah, he might, you know, not be a guy on your team for the long term. But that's not all rebuilding is about, is simply buying young guys to turn into long-term pieces. Rebuilding is a process that takes trading. Obviously, you have to trade away your veteran assets. But sometimes you just have to grab assets that will appreciate in value so that you can go later and grab more assets. And to me, that's Ramondre Stevenson. And sometimes you just got to grab asses. Well, <laughs> on the same right, on J. the same <laughs> podcast where we broke the uh, the Deshaun, talked about Deshaun Watson, maybe we steer away from that. Yeah. For anybody who Jeez. may not have picked up on the sarcasm, it was a joke. Consensually. <laughs> it was, yeah, a consensual grab. Yeah, I I second your your sentiment, Andrew. Um, interest trade, like just like your four hundred one k, just keeps the more money you put in, and then interest builds on that, and then you have more money, and interest builds on top of that. Just keep acquiring assets, keep flipping assets, um, and I think Ramondre Stevenson, like Andrew said, is definitely a a good choice to to do that this year. Um, I think he will appreciate. It. I think he's going to have standalone value this year at some capacity, just like he did last year. So, yeah, I like the pick. I think it's a great pick because I don't think the Patriots are going to re-sign Damian Harris when his contract's up, and I think Ramajay just steps right in and is their running back. So, absolutely a buy for the future. Yeah, that's another huge part of it is the possibility of him being the leader of this backfield after this year, and obviously anything could happen with contracts, but I don't know that I've heard one person sound uh, optimistic that Damian Harris gets re-signed by the Patriots. Um, Brady, we haven't heard you uh, put a player forth in a while. Who do you think is a player to buy now to win later? 
Yeah, I'll do I'll do a bit of a double header here uh, because it's one I feel confident about, and then an honorable mention to go with. And I'm only saying this because they're on the same team. And as I was thinking about my players for this this segment, uh, I became a Houston Texans fan. Uh, I don't know how it happened. I don't know why I picked the team with maybe one of the worst situations in the NFL right now. Um, just just maybe the most dysfunctional record. team in the league if the Browns still don't hold that title. but Exactly. But my player to buy now, win later, is Nico Collins. Wide receiver, went to Michigan. Had a couple of great games last year uh, in the regular season. Um, was forming a little bit of a relationship with Dougie Davis Mills, who is my honorable mention uh, to buy now to win later. Uh, but sticking with Nico, um, as we talked about earlier with the Brandon Cooks thing, um, Mechie going to be out making the wide receiver uh, target share uh, a little more narrow. And I think Nico has the talent. He's shown flashes of it. And this is his year to kind of step into that role and become a solid wide receiver too for them especially with a bit of an inconsistent run game. And I think Davis Mills has the talent uh, to get them the football. Super smart Stanford guy, um, which is why I think he's a bit of an honorable mention to buy now and later. Um, if you've kept up with the beat writers, there's been a lot of buzz coming out of training camp about him too. So I think this little stack here between Davis Mills and Nico Collins is one that you're going to want to get for the future. What a, I will say I like the pick. I like Nico Collins. Um, Big body, five-star recruit going into college. Michigan, while he was there, had some um, questionable at best quarterback. <clears throat> Shea so Patterson. He was not a, yeah, was not a a super high draft pick, but um, somebody that definitely has the raw athletic talent. Um, obviously, the size. I th- I think he could develop into a good wide receiver. So I like that a lot. Um, the thing I want to say though is what are the chances that Davis Mills is the new Ryan Fitzpatrick? Wow. Maybe he goes out, shows that he could be a starting quarterback. Obviously, we got the Ivy League kind of connection, just like that that brainiac school that every commentator is going to say every single game. You know, this guy actually went to West, Harvard. Or this guy went West to Coast Ivy League. Yeah, well, like, what? what is the chance that Davis Mills just fills that role? Journeyman quarterback probably maybe gets replaced after this year, even if he is good, um, because the Texans are so bad. Uh, it's just like, I don't know. I, I feel like that connection could be there. I, I'm interested to see how the man's career plays out. I do like Davis Mills, though, and reports are hot and heavy on him right now, so don't, don't hate that as an honorable mention. I would say um... – Higher than him becoming Mahomes, chances are that he becomes Fitzpatrick. Um, <laughs> but also, uh, I don't think he becomes Mike Glennon, despite the similarly long necks. Um, yeah, long <laughs> neck. I mean, long neck. Look, I Davis Mills is a very interesting player when you when you think about him like that because he doesn't initially come off as the type of quarterback that has been drafted high lately that teams are going out to win, you know, Super Bowls, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Trey Lance, guys who have massive arms and are incredibly mobile. Um, and obviously, you know, once in a while you get something a little bit different, but a guy whose um, mental tools outweigh his, his physical shortcomings in comparison to the other ones. And, I'm not going to say like Davis Mills is is a lock to be the next anything, but 
he made that really bad Texans offense look damn good last year. Big facts. At, and at times. Well, sorry. At, at times. They were still a terrible football team. Yes. But he outdueled Justin Herbert. Let us let us never forget. If he never does anything else in his career, he outdueled Justin Herbert. And I think the first time that Davis Mills kind of got on my radar was that game against the Patriots last year. So he played like three games before that. He played Cleveland, Carolina, and Buffalo. And he looked shaky. You know, his completion percentage wasn't high. Mm-hmm. Never threw for more than like 200 yards. Then he comes out against the New England Patriots. And we hear all this all week about how Bill Belichick loves to throw a lot at rookie quarterbacks. He's and notorious he for them. destroying rookie and he, QBs. Yeah, and people, and rookies, rookie QBs just struggle against Bill Belichick defense. Davis Mills says, fuck that. Comes out and goes 21 for 29. 312 yards and three touchdowns, and they beat the Patriots, I'm pretty sure. And if they didn't beat the Patriots, memory serving me wrong there, they like lost by less than a touchdown. And Davis Mills says, I'm here. My dick is nine inches long. Fuck with me. You know I got it, okay? So that, And I went to Stanford, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> and I got a big brain. So then he comes out, has two shaky games, and then shows some flashes, but is a little more consistent toward the end of the year against the Rams, uh, Seahawks, Jags, Chargers which Andrew just mentioned. Um, I just, I'm a big Davis Mills guy. I saw a couple of interviews with him where he had a little bit of moxie, which is why I kind of like Nick's comparison to Ryan Fitzpatrick because they have a bit of a similar moxie. They're a little quiet, but you probably get them in the locker room and they're probably the life of the party in the locker room. Texans ended up losing that game against the Patriots by a field goal, but no doubt it was See, a, less than a touchdown. An incredible showing by, by Davis Mills against, you know, the best defensive coach of, maybe all time. Um, he's got something like he does. That's the thing. Like for a guy who's going to be cheap now, like whether or not he is a, you know, becomes a franchise quarterback, he has something. I don't think he's going away. I think this became more about Davis Mills and Nico Collins got the honorable. Yeah. After <laughs> yeah. Going through all this. And you know what? I'm not upset about it, but you know, yeah. Nico Collins. I think one of the things that benefits him, especially this year is he doesn't play the same role as Brandon cooks. Nico Collins is a massive human being who is like a traditional X profiles as a traditional X type. Whereas Brandon cooks is a Z receiver can play in the slot, but won't be playing the same role as Nico Collins. So Nico Collins clear wide receiver two this year. So if you believe in Davis mills, if you believe in Nico Collins, there's, there's definitely a correlation there. Nick, let's talk. Let's talk about a guy who I um, more or less traded you for. This offseason, um, it was in a startup draft that we were both in together, and I ended up shipping off two, you know, two picks, and I got yours in return, and you said, who are you going for here? And I told you, and you were like, yeah, that's that's who I would have been going for there. And now you bring him up on a podcast. This is a very interesting string of events. I'm sure that is uh, very sweet and delicious for you going down, uh, but... <laughs> That's not why I did this. Uh, no ego boost, at least not on purpose. Uh, but my pick's Kadarius Tony. I think this is the cheapest he will ever be again. I mean, he had every illness, injury, sickness in the book last year. Missed, missed time and preseason with, I think it was like six total different excuses, I'll, I'll call them, because it, some were COVID, some were other things got suspended a game um like he had his issues but 
the dude flashed. I mean, athletically, he is very gifted. Um, and this is a Giants team that really needs a playmaker. Um, outside of Saquon Barkley, they need something in the passing game. I think Kenny Galladay is a very good wide receiver, but at this point of his career and, and just who he is as a wide receiver, he's not going to be the guy that turns a slant into a 75-yard play where he jukes three people out of his shoes. Uh, but Kadarius Tony is. I'm not saying he's a wide receiver one, but I do think this is the time to buy him. Everyone remembers that game against the Cowboys last year. Whether or not you, you had Kadarius Tony on your fantasy team, which why did you at that point? Or you like paid up for him on the free agent market after and um, didn't get much. I'm talking redraft here, obviously, because someone on your in your league had Kadarius Tony rostered. But like that game against the Cowboys was absolutely insane. Gross. He had so many catches. He made so many moves. He almost he almost had 200 receiving yards. He he can do it. Like it's there. He just needs to stay on the field and I think and a better quarterback, quarterback, a better quarterback wouldn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't hurt at all. Yeah. Andrew and I said that in synchrony. We were like, "And a better quarterback." That'd yeah. be pretty neat. Yeah. Um I mean, a lot of good quarterbacks coming out in this year's draft. Giants yeah. are in a and division I, that projects to be pretty good or at least improved. Um might be looking at a new quarterback. I don't know. But I think either way, Kadarius Tony just – the Giants are going to put the ball in his hands, and he's going to work. Okay. For for what it's worth, for like in terms of immediate value, they have a new coach this year. They have a new head coach. Um, yes. I It's not – you know, I'm not saying this guy is responsible for Josh Allen's rise and that he will do the same to Daniel Jones, but they have Brian Dable as their new head coach, former offensive coordinator for the Bills – that offense will look better this year. They won't be taking knees on the five yard line. <laughs> yeah. Oh my and god, I forgot about that. Holy to shit. say, Jason, how is Jason sad. Garrett still calling plays though? No, he's not, Jason Garrett is not there anymore. Brian Dable that's is what I mean, facts. Brian Dable is the new head coach. He's going to be the one calling plays. To say that that's an improvement for an offense is pretty pitiful. But that offense is going to be better this year. I was going to offer a quick sidebar here as a little would you rather. Uh, I heard a couple NFL pundits speculating a couple weeks ago about a possible destination for Jimmy Garoppolo. Would you rather have Jimmy Garoppolo or Daniel Jones in New York as Kadarius Tony's quarterback? Because I think that would be a very interesting place for Garoppolo to end up. Jimmy Garoppolo 1,000 times. Did did we not just right. see what Debo Samuel did last year? I'm not saying hey, Kadarius Tony's like oh. this running back prototype that is going to bull people over. But just like elusiveness, like yeah, give me give that me comparison jack. is juicy. Yeah, and it is a juicy comparison, especially you know when it's when it's brought on by the fact that you know they could have the same exact quarterback. Um, yeah, I just think that you know everybody's assuming that Jimmy G will probably end up in Seattle um, if given the opportunity. If he's cut, um, you know, unless they just. If they keep him as a backup, good for the San Francisco 49ers. But I think the assumption is that they will eventually cut him at the end of training camp to try and get down to 53 players um, and also like have some roster space or cap space uh, in case they need it throughout the season. Um, I think the Giants would be a very interesting spot for Jimmy Garoppolo to end up. Um, and I think that would do wonders for Kadarius Tony, who is a freak athlete. And then the Panthers trade for Daniel Jones because why not <laughs> just, give the first round pick a shot? Because why two, not? 
two firsts, two firsts for Daniel Jones. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, I I'll be honest. I think there's, I think there's less of a chance that Garoppolo ends up a Seahawk than he does as a backup for the Forty ers because they're not going to trade agree. him to to an interdivision rival. But on the Giants would be interesting. Um, I will say, again, I talked about the new head coach. Bigger fan of the Giants quarterback uh, in terms of having a Giants quarterback if it's Daniel Jones, but bigger fan for all of the offensive weapons if it's Jimmy G for sure. Um, Facts. Anyway, um, look, I'm going to talk about some rookies here, and I'm going to get them both out of the way really quick. But um, David Bell uh, is a guy who, much like Isaiah Spiller, um, his what like has has a really good college production profile. Like, really was amazing in college, and kind of shat the bed at the combine. And now their value has dropped just below what I think it should be. And people have been rising on Isaiah Spiller because he was drafted by the Chargers. Austin Eckler is a very small man who is very good at catching passes, and people are like, "Oh my God, Isaiah Spiller, he's." the other guy there now um which i love isaiah spiller as well but i'm not talking about him here i'm talking about david bell david bell um i think could easily take over the number two role on the the browns this year early reports out of camp have been positive and like now him on his rookie contract deshaun watson on his ridiculous contract they're tied together for a like the next four years which is an eternity in fantasy football and he, I think David Bell is still a good wide receiver. I don't think he's ever going to be the best wide receiver in the league, but I think he could be a very good wide receiver, especially with a good quarterback. Yeah, I can. So the other guy I want to talk about is another rookie pass catcher, and that's Greg Dulcich. Greg Dulcich is a tight end out of UCLA who uh, was drafted to the Denver Broncos. Yes, the Albert O hype was high, when the Russell Wilson trade happened and Noah Fant moved away, I hope, I hope you sold Alberto there. I was never completely sold on Alberto, but I really like Greg Dulcich. And this is not just camp hype, but if you watch Greg Dulcich's tape from college, the man could get downfield. The man could move. The man is a tight end who's a deep threat. Um, he is just, you know, he's never going to be the lead blocker as a tight end, but the man can catch the ball. He can move. He's athletic. He's fast. I think he could be a weapon um, for Russell Wilson. Not maybe this year. You know, the receiving weapons are – there's a lot there, and he is a rookie tight end. But um, going forward, you know, Russ is not going to be in Denver for one to two years. He's going to be there longer than that. And if Greg Dulcich is his tight end, firmly established – fully formed with all his talent. He could be a super, super cheap player to buy now with like a, a third or a fourth round pick. Yeah, I like it. I mean, Alberto is a pass catching tight end too, but he's unproven. So, I mean, there's plenty of opportunity. We'll see what happens this year. And, and if you're going to take a shot, stamp your flag, dude. I'm with it. And I believe Nathaniel yeah. Hackett, new head coach, uh, or yeah, he new head coach of the Broncos. Yes. Yeah. For, formerly of the Green Bay Packers. Um, Green Bay Packers ran some two tight end sets. Uh, 
who's to say that the Broncos won't run some two tight end sets and Greg Dulcich sees some time sees some time this year and they find out, hey, this kid's pretty good. Should give him some more catches. Maybe he surpasses Alberto. I don't think so because I think Alberto's a dog. And I think that Alberto should be on everybody's fantasy roster because I have him on all my fantasy rosters. Um, but, hey, who's to say? You're right. Uh, Alberto's unproven. Um, he had a couple of flashes last year. Um, I know a fan was hurt, but um, Greg Dulcich does have that deep threat ability. I also like the tape that I've seen from him. All right, Brady, we're staking our flags here. So um, one of us has to quit the podcast when the other person's tight end gets elected to the Hall of Fame. So Albert O gets elected to the Hall of Fame. I quit the podcast. Greg Dulcich, you quit the podcast. Um, Fair enough. It's in recorded now. It's set in stone. And we virtually shook hands. Yes. Boom. Other players. I'll jump in here. And I'm going to quickly put two receivers or one. I'm going to put one receiver on your map. And I'm going to mention one receiver that if, if you, even if you're not a Steelers fan, you probably heard of uh, George Pickens, the training camp highlights have been unreal. I mean, find someone who owns George Pickens or has them on uh, their fantasy roster and hasn't watched the training camp highlights and trade for him right now. Cause dude is, he might be one of the best wide receivers in Steelers history by the end of his <laughs> career. I mean, the dude has made some plays with some average to above average quarterback play. My God. And that's being generous. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. But, I can't but imagine calling Pittsburgh home. Could, <laughs> could never be me. <laughs> hey, you, you and Andrew, the best you and Andrew wide receivers. In franchise, you and Andrew got to be homers Over for the Ward. first hour and ten minutes of this podcast. So now, my turn to be a homer. Okay, my ma- my man hasn't Antonio played a snap. Has, hasn't played a snap, and he's crowning him over Antonio Brown, Heinz Ward. I said one of the, I said top five. Okay, so there's room at the top there for some of those legends. And I said by the end of his career, I didn't say he's going to be top five ever by the end of this year. Okay? I just love it. I love the faith, the the undying passion. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, the highlights are sweet. And, like, this is a guy that would have <laughs> – so here's a guy. Um, no, nah, but George – Okay, Mel Kuyper. If George Pickens didn't get injured last year in college football, like, he's – a He's someone that probably would have been a first-round pick. I mean, I think it was almost essentially a lock, like a guy that was in talks with being the white, best wide receiver in the class. Like, I mean, he could have been – The talent is there. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Sure looks healthy. Uh, we'll see if he has a quarterback anytime soon. But, uh, yeah, could be a dog. <laughs> we'll find out, yeah. I was going to say, like, uh, like, camp highlights, again, like it's – you got to be cautious. You got to be cautious because you'll see one or two camp highlights and you'll get excited. But, like, you want to get excited about George Pickens, go watch his college highlights because you can't get excited about him that way. I love George Pickens. I do think he's undervalued right now. I think he should absolutely be a first round pick in Dynasty uh, rookie drafts this year. Um, yeah, no, yeah. If you can if you can get George Pickens for anything, anything reasonable, absolutely. Like, absolutely go by. <laughs> so, him. as I was saying. George Pickens. And there's not just one or two training camp highlights. There's about five or six. What? Maybe seven. What? <laughs> uh, I think I think even 
given their quarterback situation, he's going to be very much fantasy relevant this year. Going off of George Pickens, another wide receiver that everybody on this podcast and everybody who's talked to me about fantasy football knows that I love. He's a Tennessee product, third-round pick in last year's draft. Josh Palmer, bolt up, baby. Go Chargers. Um, Josh Palmer has maybe not gotten enough opportunity yet to showcase his talents, um, and he might not get that this year even so. Um, But we're talking about building for the future here. Keenan Allen, he's getting up there. He's almost to the retirement home. Mike Williams, he just signed a four-year contract or extension. Um, so he's clear wide receiver one for the next few years. But Josh Palmer is very capable of stepping into that wide receiver three role this year and then wide receiver two role for them in the future. Um, I've seen a couple highlights from him uh, training camp this year, and the beat writers have all been very impressed with Josh Palmer. But he's somebody that I've tried to pick up in every single dynasty league because I'm such a big believer in the Josh Palmer uh, hype. And I know Nick is too, so I know he's going to want to speak on this. Yeah, I, I'm i a huge fan. I mean, Josh Palmer is someone that I think, even in one of these episodes, I definitely stamped my flag in last year. Um, I was really hoping Mike Williams was not going to re-sign. Uh, that was definitely a blow to the Josh Palmer. <laughs> uh, to the... <laughs> <laughs> to the Josh Palmer. <laughs> that was definitely a blow to Josh Palmer's value or, or what it could have been. Um, but I, I guess it just kind of pushes it back while we wait for Keenan Allen to eventually drop off a cliff. But Keenan Allen is still that dude. Like He didn't show any signs of slowing down last year. I don't necessarily expect him to this year. Uh, I think Josh Palmer is at least a lock for the wide receiver three role. And this is a division and an offense that is going to have to throw the ball a lot throughout the year. Um, so that's definitely a valuable thing to have. Yeah, um, you're not going to get any fight from me on Josh Palmer. I like Josh Palmer, the player. I already saw one clip from training camp where he snagged a, a ball one-handed. and That's all you needed. Yeah, his value is not. <laughs> that's all you needed to see. Yeah, you know, his, one-handed grab. That's yep, all I needed. Like Hall of Famer. Yeah, his value is not immediate, and that's why he's in this segment. Um yeah, Mike Mike Williams signing definitely um I don't know, maybe it was a by the dip moment. Like maybe it was a real by the dip moment, but I think you can still get Josh Palmer now for cheap and like Josh Palmer's I think one of those players now, you know, he wasn't a super high draft pick and the situation is uh it's it's not phenomenal until Keenan Allen leaves, but he's you know, ostensibly tied to a to a great quarterback as long as the the Chargers will keep him around, and that's that's not a bad thing to bet on at his at his price. That's not a bad thing to bet. A quarterback on. that Andrew said didn't have a killer instinct before getting into the NFL. My God, <laughs> couldn't be more wrong. Um, also, though, like just want to say for anyone that's scared off Josh Palmer because they think Jalen Guyton might be involved, uh, Jalen Guyton is just just a dude, like trash. I'm not even gonna say trash. Like he's he's just a dude, though, and and I think Josh Palmer is is definitely better than just a dude. I'll tell you what Jalen Guyton is. Jalen Guyton's a really good late best ball pick. Fair, yeah, yeah, fair, yeah. And he's but. also in a contract year, so there's a, a very very high likelihood that he either gets cut at training camp this year or is not on the roster next year. So you don't even have to worry about him. 
Yeah, best ball, best ball, and uh, dynasty are about the two furthest forms of fantasy football you could play from each other. Um, but it's great to play all of them. But um, like the players you value in best ball are just absolutely not the players you value in dynasty. <laughs> Next up, I'll give another one here. Um, I think this is another one of those guys that is consistently underrated. I'm going to go with Cream Hunt. Uh, I I I don't know why he's going so late in startup drafts i really don't he's 26 years old not a ton of mileage on on those tires mostly because he's missed some time due to injury for sure and because he's suspension. second he's, fiddle yes because he missed some time due to other things yeah <laughs> yeah sheesh um should have played baseball <laughs> um, Yo. yeah i just i think he is probably a real life top six nfl running back Talent-wise, um, he does the most with his touches at all times. He is going to produce. I mean, when's the last time he wasn't giving you essentially RB1 games? Like, he he's just consistently going to be a fringe RB2, RB1 guy, and, and that is what it is. He's 26. He could end up on another team at some point. The Browns already flirted with trading slash dropping him now. I mean, who's to say that ends just because they haven't so far? Uh He's a guy I want on my rosters, and I think being 26 years old, there's still a lot more games to be played for for Kareem Hunt. Yeah, Nick, I think the only thing about this pick that is questionable to me is that he would be in the wrong section. Um, I I get the points. Like, yeah, he he doesn't he doesn't have a lot of tread on the tires as much as other 26 year old running backs. Um, he's been great. I. I think he's a player, you know, to buy now to win now. But I mean, if he keeps it going, then that only says more, I guess, about his his value later. Um, where you know, if you are just like two years away, he could very possibly still be your RB two in in two years. Yeah, I mean, I also mean for the sense of that, I think he will or he at least should accumulate value once he gets out there and is playing again. Yeah. He was injured for a large portion of last year. So I feel like people are down on him because of that, um, which doesn't make sense to me if he's healthy now. And I I do think that his value will climb uh, by the end of the year and definitely should be someone that if you are rebuilding, potentially you flip to a contender for way more than he should go um, halfway through the season. Absolutely, yeah. I can't argue in the uh, the idea that he's he's undervalued in drafts right now. And then um, one more guy to uh, to bring up is um, another tight end, another rookie tight end, which is Trey McBride. And uh, obviously, I sung the praises of Zach Ertz earlier in this episode, but Trey McBride was the first tight end off the board this year, the consensus number one tight end. Um, and Tight ends take a few years to develop. Absolutely, they do. Especially, you know, when you are not drafted fourth overall at the tight end position. Um, but the the talent for Trey McBride is there. Uh, the opportunity is maybe not quite there right now with uh, Ertz and you know Hollywood Brown and James Connors catching passes and DeAndre Hopkins is going to be back after just six weeks. And so that what? kind of formula combination. <laughs> thank you. Um, is not necessarily conducive to a guy who's going to be super valuable to your roster right now, but he's tied to a good quarterback. He's tied to Kyler Murray. He's on his rookie contract and Kyler Murray just signed an extension. And Zach Ertz is 
absolutely not a guy who's going to last forever. I think I also try to make that pretty clear. Um, but he's a guy that could definitely contribute to the future that I really don't think is that expensive. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I like Trey McBride a lot, especially as kind of a stash. Um, I'm not expecting him to really do much of anything this year. Um, maybe get involved a little bit. You hope he does at least. Um, just to kind of reaffirm your decision to hold him. But I do think he's an excellent stash for the future. Dude absolutely tore apart the Mountain West in college. I mean, I know that's not saying a lot, potentially. <laughs> I was going to say, what a fucking statement, but, Nick. <laughs> but, I mean, he shredded these defenses. He had, I think, like 70 catches and 1,100 yards as a tight end in college in like 12 games. That is... That is absurd. Um, I think he definitely has the talent. He's not an athletic game changer, but I think he knows how to use his body well to get open, and he's got some just savory hands. So love Trey McBride. Couldn't be more excited about it. I think it's also important to point out the draft capital that the Cardinals have in him. He was a second-round pick, which is actually you know decently high for a tight end. I mean, that's what Pat Fryermuth was for the Steelers, um, and he had a pretty quick impact. Um, and when you look at all the draft grades, like most uh, evaluators are giving him the chance to like be up uh, like a good starter, um, given some time to develop. Um, he's got the size, he's got strength, and he's got the skills to go up and get the ball, um, especially you know against those mount- those tough Mountain West uh, defenses. Um, <laughs> I think that Trey McBride is somebody that you're going to want to test for the future, though. Especially if you have Zach Ertz. You just you take one out when he retires and then you put in the other and you don't have to worry about, you know, drafting another tight end uh for the next few years because I think McBride will have a similar impact uh on the on the offense that Zach Ertz uh has right now. Yeah, um one last very quick thing. So we all recently went through a startup together. Um if you guys had one tip because we skipped our, our startup episode if you guys had one tip to give players in the startup draft, what would that be? I would say this because I've seen some interesting trades recently um, that just, I don't know, to me have not made a whole lot of sense. And we've talked about it on previous podcasts, so if you've listened for a while, you're probably tired of hearing this. But I cannot stress enough, like, the window of winning. If you're going to, like, if you're going to grab a bunch of young talent early, um and you're getting some guys who, let's say Kyle Pitts, for example, who super, super young, super high upside, but maybe not the, maybe not the best situation in year one. Um, you know, maybe you, you focus on drafting for some youth and try and win maybe a year or two down the road. Um, I think usually after, like, the first four rounds, you're going to see, all right, am I winning this year or am I winning in the future? Am yes. I trying to win next year? And I think after that, those first four picks, you, you can really determine that, especially in a super flex league where quarterbacks go so early. If you didn't get some of those young stud quarterbacks and you have some veterans, you might as well capitalize on those uh, veterans that you picked and try and draft the veteran value that's there you know, and wait on those Michael Thomases that are later in the rounds or DeAndre Hopkins. I think you need to really focus on finding that window of winning the championship. And those windows are usually like two to three years. So if you're going to draft a bunch of 23 to 24-year-olds, don't draft a bunch of 30-year-olds either. 
you know, you got to find a range of, of ages that you want to draft into and, and, you know, range of like mileage, let's say like Nick was talking about with Kareem Hunt, because I've seen some trades where guys who have a really young roster are trading for Leonard Fournette right now. I'm like, well, he's going to be irrelevant in two years when the rest of your players are going to be, you know, boosting you to a championship. So why would you even make that move? Yeah, I, I like, I like that a lot, Brady. Um, I, I think it's pretty important to try and assess where you at, but my pick for, for the most important thing is take the best player available. Um, and I think that at times yep. kind of counteracts what Brady was saying, um, you know, like waiting and, and specifically trying to take like older players if, if you are going for the win now. And and I kind of get like Brady was saying too, to like you're caring less about the longevity of this player and the max potential for the next two years. And, and that makes a lot of sense. And like that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to win. You have to understand where your team's going and then draft the – like, we're shooting for upside, guys. We're shooting for upside, I guess is what I'm trying to say. We're trying to win championships, not be a team that is kind of pretty good every year. You get a couple wins. Um, it's just fun to be there and participate. No, we want to win. We're shooting for upside. It doesn't always work out, but that's when you pivot fast, always be assessing. Um, take the home run swing. I will say, based off of what Nick said, my other point – that I was going to make was draft the best player available. And he just said, sometimes that doesn't coincide, coincide with the direction of your team. For example, I, in the first four picks knew that I probably wasn't a win in a championship year one, but at some point in the mid rounds, Tyler Lockett was the best player available and the other players that were available at that time. Like I didn't really love, and I'm not going to not draft Tyler Lockett when he's going about 10 to 12 picks later than he should. So I took Tyler Lockett saying, okay, this is best player available. He doesn't really fit the direction of my team, but that's okay. All one or two picks here and there, because now you're just hoping Tyler Lockett comes out, has a great first four or five games of the year and you trade him for some assets to a team that is looking to win this year because drew locks out there, absolutely dicing the defenses in the <laughs> NFC West. So I agree with Nick that you still have to vet, like take best player available, you know, regardless of kind of what window you're in. Um, but just don't don't fall into that trap where you're, you know, not taking any players in any kind of window um, at any point in the draft. Yeah, and there's something to be said for name value too in those drafts um, with Facts. a guy like Tyler Lockett, especially. Um, yeah, so I think mine would be just especially in the early rounds, wherever you can trade back. Um, as both Brady and Nick can attest, I was desperately trying to trade back from some of my picks. I didn't love my, my startup draft position, but uh, I, you know, if you can, you know, if you can trade one of your first round picks to maybe just move back in the first round or even move to the second round, but grab like picks in rounds, like three, four, five, those are extremely valuable players. When you think about who you're drafting there, you're drafting like not only guys who would go three, four, five in a redraft startup, so guys who are going to contribute right now, but also rookies who aren't you know generational talents right out of the gate. And like like Najee Harris, for example, was a a second round pick, an early to mid second round pick in dynasty startups last year. But, you know, you could still get 
but like you can still get extremely valuable rookies like a guy like like Traylon Burks, like Garrett Wilson. Um, obviously, running back's a more valuable position or a, a more like instantly valuable position, but you can still get those guys that you know will be top picks in a start or in a rookie draft in slightly later rounds in your in your startup. And just having more of those guys in your team, having more of your top picks will matter more than, you know, having the best player necessarily. Unless you were going to draft um, Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase with that pick when you were still drafting them at a uh, rookie cost. But that also, I think, goes to show that, you know, while you do try to make the best pick possible in your rookie drafts, Sometimes things aren't always clear. Like, if you could go back in rookie drafts last year where, like, a super flex draft, the consensus was, you know, uh, Lawrence, Fields, and Lance as the first three picks in whatever order, and then maybe, like, a Jamar Chase fourth or a Najee Harris fourth, you wouldn't be making the same picks this year because they're not valued the same. Especially because Um, Kyle Pitts would be going first. Kyle Anthony Pitts, sorry. And Sheesh. Kyle Pitts was there too. Wow, what a what a stack draft last year's class was. So like, just you know, when you can acquire more of those middle round picks, because it's good to take shots on rookies. It's good to grab veterans you know you can contribute. And when you can grab all those players at once, and then evaluate where your team's at, trade your rookies, trade your veterans, whatever you need. Um, just, just good value. That's all. When just whenever you're trading, get good value. It's just good business. Yeah. It's good business. Fantasy football is a business, unless you're just playing with your friends for fun, in which case, why are you even playing? There has to be something on the line. Whether it's it's money or public humiliation, there has to be something on the line. Um, Couldn't agree more. We got to get more of the public humiliation, though. I I need more of those videos. More creativeness, too. Yeah. Yeah, we'd love to see a loser get punished for uh, finishing last in their fantasy football league. Um that being said, that is going to do it for this episode of the Doer Dynasty podcast. We really tried our best to to condense this down as much as we could. And you know what? I think we did a damn good job. If you had seen what the last episode looked like, <laughs> I think you would agree. <laughs> um, it's a shame. It's a shame that they'll never see what that last, last episode would have looked like. Yeah, we'll we'll tweet out. Maybe we'll tweet out our lists of players that we would have bought or or sold at at ADP value. You could tell us um, how wrong we were. Yeah, or we'll put it on the TikTok cuz that's that's coming. The TikTok is on <laughs> the its TikTok's way again, coming to clarify. <laughs> yep. It's coming. Yeah. Um anyway, boys. But that is going to do it for us t- this week. <laughs> <laughs> you both tried to end it right there. What do you say, Nick? Say it. Say it, baby, say it. Anyway, boys, that's going to be all from us. Uh, Reporting live from three completely different places. uh, We're out. Cheers. Cheers.